Ways myself, Rory Petrie, and Mark Broadhurst. Uh, welcome back, everyone. It's been an exceptional, exceptional weekend of Bundesliga action, action at the top end, action in the relegation race, and of course, also the European spots. It's all hotting up very nicely. It's coming up to boiling point, and me and Mark, we've got so much to talk about. We can't even fit in some of our usual segments. So, Mark. We'll be revealing the answer to Mark's mystery anagram from last week, but we won't be doing a new one this week because we've basically got too much to talk about on the footballing scale. Uh, so, yeah, the anagram will be back, of course. Hero and Zero will be back, but just pure football chat from myself and Mark tonight, analysing everything that's going on in the Bundesliga to bring a bit of cheer uh, to everyone's lives, hopefully, that that are tuning into the show. Um Obviously, if you if you're new to the channel with Over the Bar or even just the Bundesliga show, and uh, you like what you see, please do hit the subscribe button, uh, give us a follow, uh, and make sure you hit the bell icon as well, so you get notifications about every single video that comes up. We've got a few uh, irons in the fire, so to speak. We've got some nice shows coming up, a few collabs as well, which we're working on. Uh, so keep an eye out for those as well. Um, so without further ado, over to Mark, he'll reveal the answer for last week's anagram and uh, kind of explain how the rest of the show is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off by recapping uh, last week's anagram. As we say, as Rory said, we're not going to have one for this week. But yeah, we will still look at last week's and give the correct answer for those of you that played. So yeah, it was Boa Bluish last week. And we did actually have a one person who got it correct. I'm just going to reveal the correct answer before I show his name. But it was indeed, it was Hoffenheim's forward Ilhas Bebu. So yeah. Congratulations if you got it right at home. But on the YouTube channel, we did actually have one commenter who got it correct. So I'm going to bring his name up. He's a new viewer as far as we know. He's a new commenter. So, yes, Sam B, congratulations. You managed to get the correct answer for the mystery anagram for week 25. So, yeah, it was quite a tough one, I thought. But, yeah, you guys are really coming up with the goods at the moment. So, yeah, thanks a lot, Sam, for commenting. Keep uh, interacting with the blog. We love uh, hearing from you guys. And fans and obviously our usual crew keep commenting and interacting as usual so let's swiftly move on because we've got a lot to talk about we've had a lot of good games this weekend probably one of the best weekends of the Bundesliga this season <clears throat> so let's have a look at the results so on Friday night we had a 1-0 win for Leipzig in Armenia Bielefeld moving on to the Saturday Cologne and Dortmund drew to all Bayern Munich got a 4-0 win over Stuttgart in the Sud Derby, which you can watch another video of ours uh, on the site as well. Frankfurt got a thrilling 5-2 win over Union in what was an end-to-end game. Wolfsburg with a big 2-1 win at Werder Bremen. On the Saturday evening, we had a comfortable 3-0 for Gladbach in Schalke in a local derby. Now, moving on to the Sunday was the relegation day, wasn't it? And we had a 2-1 win for Mainz in Hoffenheim. Then we had a 3-0 win for Hertha Berlin against off-form Leverkusen. Then we had, this was probably the only game of the weekend that was mid-table, really. A 2-0 win for Freiburg over Augsburg. So... That's your nine games of the weekend. A lot of goals this weekend, as you can see. 
So yeah, so this weekend, as Rory said, we're not going to have the featured four. We're actually going to go through every game. I think every game apart from the last one had implications either at the top or the bottom end of the table. So let's make a start with the Friday night game, with the title race and the relegation race in this game, which was a 1-0 win for Leipzig over Bielefeld. I mean, this it certainly wasn't a classic, was it? But for me, this was a really, really big win for Leipzig. I mean, obviously, first half, a few good saves from that man, Ortega, who always just seems to produce the goods, doesn't he? For me, one of the best goalkeepers of the season this year for Bielefeld. But then just, to, I think, 42 seconds into the second half, we had the breakthrough with almost applying uh, Sabitzer for a tap-in. It was a big goal as well. And then I would say they relatively comfortably held on there, Rory, in that game. Yeah, it was um, yeah an important win for RB against uh, a Bielefeld side who just show so much character in, in game after game after game, really. Um, a character that might well come the end of the season be enough to see them safe. We'll have to see. But um, they kept going at it, but Leipzig were the dominant side. Um, even though they, they did rotate um, rotate their team, so again, they didn't start with the natural striker on, on this occasion, where that sometimes does come to bite them. Um, but on this sort of occasion where they can dominate the ball and really like do all their nice interchanging passes and movement, it, it was okay. They didn't necessarily need a target man. Um to, to get themselves through this game. However, they might have been thinking at half-time, or oh, if we don't get a goal soon here, we, we might have to bring on the likes of Poulsen or, or Sorloff. Um, but yeah, it's um, obviously a nicely worked goal um, in the end that Olmo just, you know, cuts back perfectly for, for Sabitzer to tap in. Um, looks slight, it, they, had, they obviously had to check it for, for offside, but obviously I think it was level basically, so it stood. Um, yeah, just, just crucial really to get the weekend off to a good start for Leipzig's point of view, put a bit of pressure on on their title challengers or the, the champions themselves, Bayern. So knock it down to one point uh, overnight and see how, how Bayern are going to react in the Sud derby. Obviously, Bayern did the job, but we'll talk about them in due course. Um, but yeah, that's all RB can do really at this point. Just keep on putting the pressure on, especially if they if they ever play before Bayern, that's great. So they can, you know, chop, chop the you know, the points down. Um, obviously, now we're looking towards the big game uh, after the international break between RB and, uh, and Bayern. Can they pull off a, you know, a big result in that game, get all their superstars out in, into that game and, you know, pull off a huge, huge win, which would really blow open the, the title race. Um, so, yeah, professional job. Uh, great result for RB. And far from a disgraceful one for for Bielefeld, who are obviously who are hanging on in there despite the the results that have happened this weekend. Yeah, I think one of the probably the most interesting statistic from that game that I saw was that Leipzig got eighty percent possession away from home. That must be one of the highest we've seen this season in the Bundesliga. Eighty percent away from home. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it was a very controlled performance. It certainly wasn't a performance that lived long in the Leipzig fans' memory. But yeah, I mean, aside from, I think, one uh, Fabian Close chance for Bielefeld, yeah. the shot that he fired over, it's not really been his season for Close, has it, this year? And I think, uh, obviously, uh, yeah, aside from that, it was very comfortable. A few good saves from Ortega, as I said. But yeah, I mean, for me, this was 
some people might say it was a bit of an underwhelming performance from Leipzig, but for me, this was a big result, really, because it did put the pressure on Bayern, which obviously they obliged later on, as you mentioned. But still, I mean, this shows that Leipzig is still in the race at the moment. They're not going to give this up. I mean, if they can get a win against Bayern, then they've got a really, really big chance. But obviously, it's easier said than done to achieve that. I think as for Bielefeld, at the time, you were thinking, yeah, this is a good result, a 1-0 defeat. It's not done too much damage to their goal difference. But then obviously, what happened later on in the weekend, it, it looks like a poor result all of a sudden. But I think one thing is worth saying about Bielefeld, they do have a much kinder run of fixtures now coming up. We've mentioned a lot that they've had a horrible run this last uh, six, seven years. They've played Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Leverkusen, like so many of the best teams we've seen them play the, this last uh, five, six weeks. Now, the last seven game, the last eight games, sorry, they are going to start having a few more winnable fixtures. So we'll have to see what they can do with that. Okay, so let's move on to the Sioux Derby now, which was, of course, Bayern versus Stuttgart. I mean, this game really had a lot of talking points, didn't it? I think, obviously, the key talking point was what happened in the first 20 minutes, a straight red card for Alfonso Davis. I think nobody can really complain about that one. It was initially given as a yellow card, but later upgraded to a straight record for a horrible challenge for Davis. I mean, I just wanted to mention a little bit about Davis as well, because, I mean, he's a player that last season people were saying there's no better fullback in the world than him. But this season, it's really, really been a stall for him, hasn't it, largely? Obviously, injuries haven't helped, but I think performances haven't been anywhere near the same level as last season, Rory. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Uh, I would say that he was starting to get back to more of a level in recent weeks, I think. Uh, I think we've seen him start to uh, to be the same Davies as last season. Um, as you mentioned, I think you're right. I think the right decision came to in the end. It's given as a yellow to start with. I don't think there's any malicious intent in the tackle. I think it's just one of those. I think it was. It comes from a throw-in. He's just trying to win the ball back quickly and he does. He just obviously goes over the ball onto Endo's ankle and it looks really nasty actually from, from second viewing. So yeah, right decision, red card, and then you're thinking, wow, <laughs> the Sud derby has now been blown wide open. Uh, thinking, yeah, go on, Stuttgart, push forward, push forward. Um, and before we come to the the blitz, the blitz of goals uh, that happened, certainly there was um, so well one certain one certain chance for Stuttgart where the the, sta the standard kind of duo where the ball gets worked out to Souza whips into Kalizic and his header uh, from fairly close range for him was quite tame. Well, it wasn't tame. It was the problem was it was straight at Neuer, so Neuer could collect it um, for a save that was perhaps quite a big moment really because if Kalizic heads that in, it's one nil uh, with a man advantage. Maybe Stuttgart can start to do something. But um, yeah, and then. The champions just clicked into gear. It's like they were offended by that red card that I used to, like, what are you trying to do to us, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, first goal, Gnabry, nice bit of play, down the wing, good cross into Lewandowski, right place, right time, stabs it in for 1-0. Um, second goal was really nice interchange between Muller and Sane to lay it on a plate for Gnabry. Uh, lovely, lovely football, have to admit. Um, the third goal then, these all, all these three goals came in within five minutes of each other to effectively kill the game. Lovely little chipped ball in by Muller for Lewandowski to sublimely head home, I have to say. 
Um, and then a bit of fortune where the ball kind of breaks to Lewandowski nicely about five minutes before half time. He gets his hat trick. Um, and then, yeah, the game is done. Um, and then no no more goals came in the second half as Bayern just had to see out the game as they, uh, as they did perfectly. Um, so, yeah, it certainly didn't go as I thought it might after a red card. But, I mean, that that was impressive from Bayern. I have to say that was clinical. Lewandowski just just pure filth, just can't can't stop scoring, uh, just just knows where to be, right time, perfect hat-trick headers, left foot, right foot. Yeah, un- unbelievable. So bad day at the office for Stuttgart in the Sud derby. But, yeah, Bayern, an impressive response to the, the RB win on Friday night. Yeah, I think for me that was one of, without doubt, one of Bayern's best performances of the season. As you say, some of the goals were just outstanding, especially the first three goals were just beautiful goals, really, weren't they? I think another man that's really starting to click into form now over the last uh, five, six games is Leroy Sane. We mentioned before that he wasn't having the best season, but I think this was a really good performance from him. He's back up to his tricky old self, creating chances, dribbling, creating key passes. And yeah, I think this was... I wouldn't perhaps say his best performance, but it was definitely in his top three or four best performances of the season as well. I think, yeah, I think sometimes it doesn't work out when you get them down to 10 men buying, like, as you say, they click into that next, I would say the Champions League gear, if you know what I mean. It's, I mean, it's just, um, sometimes you do feel as though they've been playing within themselves this season in the Bundesliga, don't you? And I think, um, uh, when they when they went down to ten men, they thought you know Stuttgart are a team that can really cause us some problems, and it, to be four 0 up at half time, I mean that's just a signal for Stuttgart, isn't it? I mean, admittedly Stuttgart weren't good in this game at all. They will see it to an extent as a missed chance, but I, I still think with the way that Bayern played, particularly for that the rest of that first half, that was just like Bayern at top level, you know. And I think realistically Stuttgart didn't have a, much of a chance, even though Bayern did play for what. Um, 72 minutes with 10 men, including extra time. It's just, uh, it was an insane performance and fair play to Bayern for that. You know, it's uh, as for Stuttgart, they're still in the way results went, they still have a chance of that top six at the moment. Mm-hmm. It was a yeah. good end for them in regard to results of other teams. So, yeah, they're still in with a, a shout of Europe. They'll be happy to see the back of Bayern this season, that's for sure. They yeah. lost 3-1 and 4-0 with a 7-1 aggregate. So, yeah, they'll definitely be happy to see the back of the Sud Derby for another year. But, yeah, Bayern roll on and they're going to be hard to stop over this next eight games. Okay, so on to what was arguably the game of the weekend. It was Frankfurt 5, Union Berlin 2. I think, yeah, I mean, there's no... Where can you start with this game? I mean, it was just chance after chance, wasn't it, for both sides? Obviously, Max Kruser getting a double as well. He's now up to 10 goals for the season. Since he came back, I think he's created more of a goal threat again for Union, whose goals had dried up. A little, a little bit, but they seem to be creating a lot more, especially from his set plays, of course, as well, which is a key part to how Union play. But I think what really impressed me in this game was the clinicality of Frankfurt, which they've been perhaps lacking over the last few games. I think they only had five shots on target and got five goals in this game. So I don't know whether that says not so much um, about the goalkeeping from Union or whether it says a lot about the clinicality of uh, 
Frankfurt. But yeah, I mean, obviously one of the goals was an own goal as well. It was that man, Robert Andrike again, wasn't it, Rory? I mean, he, I think he's won our uh, loser of the week before our zero of the week. And yet again, it was a poor performance from him, wasn't it, Rory? Yeah, I think to be fair, Robert Andrik can be thankful that we haven't really got time for a, a zero of the week section this this weekend because um, yeah, I think he would have definitely been a winner for that for that back pass. Um, yeah, I mean, he was such an entertaining start, one-one within within a flash, two um, you know two early goals. Um, Frankfurt got themselves ahead, and then Union pull one back and then there were several chances for Union at 1-1. They were pressing more more than any other side, really. Their set piece looked so threatening. Um, I think Man United could take some tips from Union about how to take set plays because, I mean, (laughs) they are seriously dangerous from set plays, Union. Um, But, yeah, the back pass, I mean, it's just... I don't know why Andrix even bothers to play it backwards because he seems like obviously Union win the ball back and he's got the ball. And uh, I know there's the fashionable thing is to pass it back to the keeper these days, but the keeper's obviously moved out of his goal to receive the back pass and Andrix has hit it. Luter kind of slips, I guess, but yeah, calamity strike through Union. And then another game where we had a flurry of goals. Well, like you said, Frankfurt were clinical with their finishing. Uh, Kostic, Silver and Kamada, just such a deadly trio. Uh, and that's not even um, including the likes of Yunus or, or Kostic, or sorry, or Jovic, uh, who actually started up front with Silver. I thought that looked like a really dangerous yeah. formation, actually, for Frankfurt um, with, with the two of them up front. Um, obviously, he didn't get... Jovic didn't get um, a goal, unfortunately for him, but I thought it, that all really kind of linked up quite well. And they were such a threat, and some again, some really nice goals actually. Um, to obviously the Kostic and Silver routine always works. Um, Silver with some first time finishes as well. The fourth goal, I think it was, where he just runs onto a Kamada pass into the near post, really well hit goal. Um, and it was, it was a good thing that Frankfurt were clinical because Union had chances, like I mentioned, uh, especially when the game was at 4-2. There was a couple of big chances actually for Union. Um, Andrade actually did hit the bar as well, so he had a bit of a hit-and-miss game, um, certainly for, for him. And then Frankfurt, with, with pretty much the last kick of the game, managed to press Union high up, win the ball. We've seen it a million times before, trying to play out from the back, lose the ball, goal to the other team. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, entertaining game. Very, very much needed win for Frankfurt. Uh, it was a day, uh, certainly, where things were kind of going up and down in terms of Frankfurt. When they were drawing, Dortmund were winning. So Dortmund were going above them in the league into fourth. And you're thinking, oh, this might really change things. And then, obviously, Cole take the lead. And then Dortmund then throw points away and Frankfurt take the lead. So it was very topsy-turvy all, all, all day long. Um, but it ended up being a great day for Frankfurt because obviously they got a big win and, and Dortmund dropped points. But uh, yeah, great game of football, great game of Bundesliga um, action to watch. Unlucky for Union because it probably a, a harsh scoreline on them. Yeah, I think one interesting thing that's going to come in the summer, obviously, is like the the kind of dilemma between Silver and Jovic. Because I've read some uh, news in the German papers recently that uh, Silver is attracting interest from elsewhere. 
I mean, he is a top striker at the end of the day. I mean, for me, he's been absolutely outstanding this season. 21 goals already. He could easily get up to 25 by the end of the season. And I think from what I gather is that uh, Frankfurt are considering cashing in on him and bringing in Jovic as the replacement. But I mean, obviously, some people would say, why not just add Jovic anyway? Because I mean, the chances are they're going to qualify for the Champions League. That could also kind of... Uh, decide whether they do manage to keep Andre Silva as well. But for me, Silva, I mean, he is a top quality striker. I mean, along with probably Lewandowski and Haaland, he probably is the best striker, I would say, in the league at the moment. And yeah, they've just got so much quality. I mean, Kamada, I just, I've really enjoyed watching him this season. He's just been fantastic. I think, obviously, Jovic really added well, replacing Eunice. Eunice might consider himself a little bit unlucky to be dropped, but he has gone off the pace a little bit in the last few weeks. But he also had a fantastic season as well, signing from Ajax. Yeah, I mean, it's great times for Frankfurt. Obviously, now four-point uh, gap has opened up, but... The, the big thing is that Dortmund uh, hosts Frankfurt in the next set of fixtures. So, I mean, the next set of fixtures is full of absolutely enormous games, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's just massive, that game. I think at the moment, though, I think Frankfurt have got more than enough quality to go and do a job on Dortmund, to be honest. But I think, again, a lot of it is going to come into the game management and the mentality that they go into that game with. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that match, Dortmund v Frankfurt. And yeah, as for Union, still, it was a good performance, really, especially going forward. Uh, even though they concede five goals, they play entertaining football. It was a good performance. They created chances. They scored a couple of goals. So again, not too much to worry about from their point of view. Okay, so let's stay with the Champions League now. And obviously a team that are really, really looking very, very comfortable in that third spot, aren't they? Wolfsburg getting another away win in Werder Bremen. And this game has started off with a man that we've given a lot of praise for at the other end, Josh Sargent, heading into the back of his own net from a set piece as well. I mean, this was another strange moment, wasn't it, really? I mean, you have to question why is he heading towards his goal there? I mean, some would say it was a little bit unlucky because he kind of like dropped in that area between the goalkeeper's hand and the bar. But yeah, I mean, it was a pretty poor own goal. That one. Then it the second goal was that man again, wasn't it? It was that man, uh, Vout Veghorst, with the second goal. Yeah, Werder Bremen, they made a good game of it, though, from there on. I mean, Kevin Mervalt uh, with a great strike into the bottom corner from the set piece, making it 2-1 just before halftime. Then I thought in the second half, Werder really kind of took the game to Wolfsburg, didn't they? And they were probably a little bit unlucky not to get a level of Rory there. Yeah, absolutely. Wolfsburg had to show... As much steel, um, Castile, uh, as he has been. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. Um, as they have done all season. Um, yeah, obviously, the first goal on oh, is this whips in a is whips in a nice free kick, um, and it looks like Lacroix got the touch, but obviously it comes off Arnold and loops in. Um, and then some great pressing, actually, from Wolfsburg creates the the opportunity for Veghorst because I think it's Schlager, maybe, who makes a tackle, falls nicely for Veghorst, and he does the rest. Um, obviously, the clinical striker that he has become this season, or is this season. Um, and, yeah, but then Werder, they got themselves back into, as you said, on half-time and then did take the game to Wolfsburg and... I think any other team might have crumbled, especially because both teams are quite strong from set pieces. Um, mm. I would say certainly Verda um, utilise that kind of aerial um, 
kind of dominance but the, obviously the shame for them is that they're up against a very strong aerially Wolfsburg side obviously the likes of Brooks and Lacroix in that defence were there for a reason and um, they, they huffed and they puffed and they are, I think a chance fell fell to one of their subs right at the end but unfortunately his shot was quite tame uh, which Castile's had no problem with so uh, yeah uh, I mean, the momentum now, the moments with Wolfsburg, they just keep on winning, keep on winning and look very comfortable, um, nestled into to third place right now. Um, just, I guess they're just there waiting in case there's a slip up from either RB or, or Bayern to maybe put pressure on them. But right now they're, they're you know, they're on plain sailing, really good team. So uh, great result for them and uh, unlucky for Werder because they're playing some decent stuff as well at the moment. Yeah, they are. I think this was classic Wolfsburg in many ways, wasn't it? We've talked a lot about the steel that they have in that side. I think, as you say, most teams, even teams like Dortmund or Frankfurt in this situation, they might have conceded that equaliser. But with Wolfsburg, it's just like that great wall, isn't it? They've just got so much belief that they're going to stick in and win games. And I think, obviously, now eight points clear. They've got Cologne at home in the next game. And obviously, the two big rivals for that top four spot play each other in the next game so i think i mean we've got to say if they win that game they're going to be pretty comfortable i think into the top the top four but i mean obviously they might still harbor hopes of a title push yet but it i think that would rely on probably buying losing against leipzig and then them managing to cut it to seven points and even then it's a big ask yeah but I mean, it's been a great season for wolfsburg let's give them some credit they've had a lot of standout performance obviously vay course who's a talisman but also castiles has been outstanding you know lacroix who's also been linked with uh dortmund in recent weeks by the way mm-hmm. he's yeah. been for me he's been one of the best center halves of the season this year in the bundesliga if not the best to be honest with you and i think a lot of people are going to come looking his way but but you've got to remember wolfsburg they do have the financial clout to keep the best players. So that's going to be an interesting development potentially as well. I mean, obviously, Castiles has just been outstanding. Brooks mm-hmm. has also been very good. Schlager has been excellent in recent weeks. It's just been like a really, really good team effort from Wolfsburg. And yeah, I think they deserve a top four spot for the first time in a number of years. I think the first time for at least five or six years, this will be a top four position for Wolfsburg. So let's move on to the final team, which I would consider to be in a top four race, which, of course, is Borussia Dortmund, who played out uh, a derby draw away in Cologne. Obviously, the key talking point in this game, probably the, the penalty, wasn't it? I mean, it looked at the time I thought it was a little bit soft because it, it literally played on for at least another two or three minutes after that. And then he finally went to the board and gave a penalty against the youngster Jude Bellingham. Rory, what did you make of that one? Would you say it was a bit harsh given the fact that they did play on for so long or do you think it was fair to go back? It's what, it's one of those. So for me, it's probably a penalty because there's a slight move of the arm slash elbow just a little bit out as, as if it's in an unnatural position which is obviously the thing that we've been told a lot this season. So by law, it's probably the right decision. What The problem is that football such a fast paced free-flowing game is that once you go on for 30 seconds even a minute that that is a long time for lots of different things to happen uh in a game so the fact that i obviously went on for so long before it got reviewed is a really strange one um so yeah it's, it's it is harsh um 
because it's something completely innocuous as well. Uh, obviously, Dortmund got into the lead early on from a lovely bit of play from Haaland, taking down a, a long ball from Chan. Um, and then Colin just come forward, a bit of a hopeful ball into the box, which wasn't even a good cross. It hit the first man, who is Bellingham. And it just ha so happens a slight move towards it. Then, obviously, Duda does does the rest from the spot. Um but yeah, and then obviously fair play to to clone from there on in. Obviously they, you know, they kept storming at bay, and then obviously go go down the other end, break well, and <laughs> I mean, there's a bit of calamity defending again from no shock Thomas um, Mounier because uh, he get he gets to the through ball, but then he kicks it on for eyes for for Jacobs to run onto perfectly. So it's almost like an assist, um, and the finish is actually really good. Actually smashes it really hard. Uh, past the keeper up into the into the roof of the net for 2-1. Um, so then you're thinking, oh, this would be an outstanding win for Cologne. And as the table was looking, you think, if they win, uh, this, this is a huge step towards safety. But then obviously Dortmund do come back into it. Haaland, particularly in this game, looked like a one-man team. He was doing everything he possibly could to, uh, to get them back into the game. Numerous shots, numerous chances, and then... He managed to get on the end of one eventually to tap in to make it 2-2. Um, and then, yeah, the point, just the point for Cologne in the end, because of the results on Sunday, now looks like a bad point, amazingly. Um, or oh, no point is a bad point in a relegation battle because it's a point in the right direction, of course. Um, and they almost did the double over Dortmund. Um, so... Yeah, entertaining game for sure. Um, two bits just to touch on very quickly before we move on to the next game or, or on to your thoughts, Mark. Firstly, it seemed like Haaland stormed off at the end of the game down the tunnel, obviously very, very frustrated in what he probably felt like he wasn't supported very well by by his team in general. Um, so naturally frustrated, I would say, from that game. Probably not much to read into. Um but then, unfortunately, um, we don't often talk about this on the show because we don't like to get too political, I, get, I guess. But there was some, obviously, some very horrible um, racial abuse for, for Jude Bellingham on, on Instagram after the game, which he posted on his story. Um, and it's absolutely vile, uh, disgusting sort of behaviour um, for such a young lad to have to deal with, for anyone to have to deal with, of course. But... Uh, Bellingham is a young lad who's been thrown into the spotlight through no fault of his own, through the pure talent that he has. And for him to get such abuse for, I mean, I'm assuming for what people are scapegoating him for giving away a penalty in a game where Dortmund had an hour plus to redeem the situation and, and come back and win. And there's plenty of other players you can blame if you want to blame the result on, on this young man who has done... You know, he's done fantastic work for Dortmund, especially in the last month or so. I think he's really come into his own. Um, obviously, racial abuse or any kind of racial abuse across any social media platform is not, you know, it's just not right. It's, it's you know, we need to get out of the game. We need to get out of society. But Steve still keeps on creeping back in. Um, the media regulators need to sort this out. All these fake accounts. Uh, it drives me crazy how how people can get on social media accounts so easily and do this sort of thing and there not be any repercussions. Um, obviously, we saw it in the Europa League as well, where with a player on a player for for the Rangers game, um, which from what I've seen doesn't seem to have been picked up very seriously from UEFA. 
Um, so yeah, very unfortunate to have to talk about something so so horrible on this show. But I just wanted to to allude to that a little bit, Mark. And I don't know about you know, what your thoughts are quickly on that. Yeah, it definitely seems as though they need to kind of sort that out, especially on the social media platforms, because it's just, uh, as you say, it's a bit too easy for them to get on and do it. But I think if it was on a normal kind of, uh, uh, you know, profile, I think they wouldn't get away with it, you know. So it's just, uh, it definitely has to come from the social media providers. But again, I think I mentioned to you before the show, Rory, that these kind of guys, they always seem to be a couple of steps ahead of the game and they know how to find ways to get around it. So it's it's very unfortunate that this kind of thing has crept back into the game after the game did a lot of effort to try and knock it out of the game, you know, but it's... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think social media has kind of brought it back to the surface in the last, especially yeah. the last year. Maybe people are just bored. I don't know this year, you know, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, it seems to have crept back in a lot more than it has been in the last 10 years, I would say. So, yeah, something's got to be done. But it's, um, yeah, I think it's got to come more from the uh, author- the, the social media companies than yeah. anything, I guess. Yeah. But I think, yeah, about the game overall, it's probably not that good of a point for either side. As you say, given other results with Frankfurt winning and Wolfsburg winning, top four race and then yeah i mean cologne are going to be a bit disappointed they just don't seem to be able to find ways to win football matches do they cologne it's just it's starting to look very very for them now because it's just these little minds and heads are really starting to play the best football that they've done in the season and that that second or third bottom is looking like a very real possibility for cologne at the minute unless they can start finding some wins they don't score many goals and i think they probably have lost this game if it wasn't for that penalty in truth I still think Dortmund with a better side, as you say, mostly through Haaland, but it's something's got to improve for Cologne, really, unless they are going to get relegated, I think. it's um, they, they do play OK. They do OK against some of these bigger teams, but they're not doing enough in general, you know, and they're not creating enough chances. And maybe they've got to push forward a bit more to kind of abandon the more negative approach and start to attack a bit more. That, that will be my recommendation for them, but we'll have to see what goes on in the future. So, yeah, talking of teams that really did attack well, though, it was Hertha Berlin, wasn't it? I mean, this was just a... We've been waiting, haven't we, for Hertha for so many weeks to put in a performance like this, and it finally came against the struggling Leverkusen boys. But, yeah, I mean, this first half, it was just, like, electric from uh, from Hertha, wasn't it, Rory? I mean, I was just really impressed with them. Obviously, the goal from Zay, Keith uh, to give them the lead, the effort off the post. It looked like it was going to come out, but it went into the back of the net. Then, obviously, Cunha getting the second goal as well. Uh, how impressed were you there, Rory, of, of the performance of Hertha Berlin? Yeah, incredibly uh, impressed. And it just felt like one of those performances that I was coming around the corner. Um there has been many kind of false dawns for her to this season and, and kind of moments where we thought, oh, like they look like a team that could genuinely be, you know, well, well above mid-table with the talent they possess. Um, they were, you know, quick coming forwards uh, against the uh, all-over-the-place Leverkusen defence. Um but more the credit obviously should go towards Hertha because they were outstanding on the front foot, wanted to attack, wanted to score goals um, and, and just went for the kill really in the first half. And it was outstanding. Cordoba, Lukbakio, um and obviously Kuna himself. Um, he obviously made a, a lovely Cruyff turn actually in, in um, sorry, Cordoba made a lovely Cruyff turn in the box. Um, they have kind of, 
invention when when the ball kind of fell to him to, for him to then turn and smash home for the third goal really impressive stuff um and in the second half similar sort of theme obviously Leverkusen were trying to get back into it and Herto were often breaking Cunha again um obviously he set up a, a goal for it for it to be disallowed because of the handball he then broke himself to to have a chance um Genduzi playing in Piatek late on as well, who probably should have done better with his effort. So, yeah, 3-0, you know, is a completely fair result. Could have been more. Leverkusen just, yeah, just a little lost. Um, obviously, we've said who's done worse, Gladbach or Leverkusen, but certainly, certainly there'll be pressure on the manager right now. Um, obviously, Peter Bosch, you know, he's done his former team uh, in Dortmund a favour by dropping points again and obviously now there's a very small gap between um, themselves and Union and, and even after Freiburg's win actually um, we said that Freiburg are more mid-table they're now only three points off Leverkusen um, we, if we consider Stuttgart to be within a chance we have to say Freiburg are as well again um, so I mean even Gladbach if, if they can sort themselves out who knows Um so, yeah, Leverkusen just look a mess. Uh, don't really – obviously, we can talk about it for hours on end, but we wouldn't get very far. I think it's just a team that just needs to reset at the end of the season. Uh, they just need to try and sneak in and get some sort of European football. Um, or maybe they need a full season of not being in Europe to sort themselves out. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, huge result on the other end of it in the relegation race for, for Hertha. Obviously, it, it jumps them massively up, up into 14th place. Um, obviously, it's so close right now from 14th to 17th, two points in it. Um, the goal, the respective goal differences are obviously quite close, but the, the win for Hertha is a plus three and actually helps them out quite significantly in that area. Um, will Will Hertha now go on to push on and get out of that, you know, that sort of trouble? But obviously, we never know. I think it'll be close until the end of the season, regardless. So. Big win in the context of the relegation race, but still plenty to do for Hertha. Yeah, I think one of the crazy stats from that game as well was the fact that Leverkusen, despite losing 3-0, they had uh, 72% of the possession. But if you, if you look at the shots, the goals and everything, the chances, obviously Hertha dominated. But it's I always find it surprising because you think if you had 72% possession in a game, you're going to create more than what they did, you know. And they're not going to lose 3-0. But, yeah, it just proves that football can be a crazy game. And things just I, I think Hertha, they like playing kind of on the counter. I, I think most of their best performances have come when they've been able to play on the counter and not kind of dominate the game you know they don't seem to be very good at kind of keeping possession or dominating games but yeah I mean this was this was fantastic obviously another point Jarstein who I think won our loser of the week our zero of the week he did make one big save at 3-0 so yeah a little bit of credit for him he kept his he kept his place in the team and he made like one only really one big save that was their only shot on target actually in the game at 3-0 so yeah fair play to him for that we criticise keepers a lot but yeah, good save there from him. So, talking of teams that won down at the bottom, we had another win for Mainz, didn't we? I mean, this was this was a really good game. I really enjoyed watching this, especially the first half was fantastic in this match. I mean, you've got the match just kicks off. You know, you're thinking Mainz have got to try and start this game well because we often see that the first goal is really important with teams like Mainz down at the bottom. 
and then 42 seconds on the clock and they already go ahead and it's another defensive mix-up from uh, Hoffenheim who just haven't done it defensively this season for me at times. Then a few minutes later, the the uh, the free kick comes in and it drops for the centre-half who looks sure to score. The goalkeeper actually makes a big save. This is all within two and a half minutes, incredibly. Then you've got uh, the big chance for Bebu with about, I think, about seven or eight minutes on the clock. Uh, yeah. I think it was Baumgartner plays it brilliantly across the area. And Bebu, he does miss a lot of chances, doesn't he? Skies it over when it looked impossible to miss, really. Then, uh, yeah, I mean, what did you make of the rest of that game, Rory? I'll let you talk us through the rest of that one. Yeah, sure. I mean, there was, yeah, like you said, there was chances at both ends most of the first half. Um Obviously, and then um, as you mentioned, start with Richards was was at fault for for giving the ball away for Hoffenheim, but actually made made amends actually for a lovely ball over the top for Babu to to actually um, get on the end of and, and finish well actually to make it to make it one one, and then you're thinking, oh great, Hoffenheim, good response. Um, obviously, you know, get into half time one one, but. Minds, you know, they were they were inspired to come back even stronger, and so from a short corner, uh, Botius floats in, floats in the ball uh, for Cahor, um to head home, basically from an unmarked kind of position. Um, so that's two one, and and then from there on in, obviously they just, you know, they managed the game well. Saint Just uh, had a few efforts actually. Um, but Bauman did well to save from. Uh, Kramerich had the odd chance, and but Mines were generally in control of it, uh, give or take, and and probably again made the made the most of the Hoffenheim side. They probably knew that they were safe from relegation. Are yeah, obviously, you know, stuck in that middle middle kind of position of the table with not much to play for now at the end of the season. So just made the most of it. Hoffenheim couldn't match the intensity of Mines. Mines obviously needed to win the game more and wanted it more, and and that showed in the end. Um, they could have obviously been punished for not taking their chances and killing the game, making it three, four, one, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, another huge win for Mines. It's been an incredibly impressive comeback. I think uh, two and a bit months ago, maybe me and Mark were effectively ruling them out, uh, which you know fair play to them you know they've showed us and they've showed a lot of people um some incredible char uh, character and some famous wins really uh, against some top teams um in the division uh foregoing just this result in general and have picked up a lot of wins very quickly and are now obviously sitting outside of the relegation playoff places um and that'll make them feel really good about themselves they've worked very hard to do so uh, obviously still have loads to do as her to do uh, in this relegation race and I'm sure at times in the next few weeks they'll be back in the relegation zone um, because it probably will just keep on you know some teams will pick up results others won't but that hopefully will make it an incredibly exciting relegation race so great result for Mines uh, yeah uh, obviously huge for them but uh, yeah I expect there still to be lots of ups and downs with uh, with the game still to go. Yeah, and I think another point there, Jerry St. Just as well, was actually called up to the Dutch national team as well during the week. So fair play to him. I mean, it's not easy. I mean, obviously, we've talked about how poor at times Mainz have been defensively, but I think that's a big sign of how much they've improved defensively. Mm -hmm. 
improving the game management and the way that they're dealing with matches at the moment because the, yeah. this kind of performance especially the second half wouldn't have come early in the season you know mm-hmm. they got two nil ahead and they'd have lost four two that's what was happening in the early part of the season but yeah for me minds at the moment it's starting to look like they are a bit too good to go down you know i think we are starting to see especially since christmas the performances have just been improving and improving and they're really starting to turn performances into results now, aren't they? And I just think um, they do have some quality players. As you mentioned, Boltius is a really good player, again, with a good set piece on him as well. And I think, yeah, despite the sale of Mateta, that seems to have been the best thing they've done all season, to be honest with you, because since he sold him, the season's turned around. Like, it's a different place now, isn't it? And I think... Mm-hmm. For me now, minds will stay up. I think they've got enough quality, enough know-how. Also, credit to Bo Svensson as well. He came in just before Christmas after they'd already gone through two managers in the mm-hmm. early part of the season. He is the third manager of the season, Bo Svensson. I think he's been fantastic for them, you know, the, the Scandinavian. And, uh, fair play to them. As you say, they're far from safe. Yeah, far from safe, especially considering that we talked about the next set of fixtures is big. Another big game, Mainz v Bielefeld as well, just around the corner, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, that game literally could determine their season. If they win that, it's going to be really looking positive for them. Yeah. Lose it and they're back to square one pretty much. So it's, yeah, big games all around. So, yeah, so that pretty much sums up the relegation fight because I don't think we can consider the next team, Schalke, really still in the relegation fight, can we? I mean, Gladbach are on the periphery of uh, the European places. But, yeah, this was another another dreary performance from Schalke. The first goal was just a category of errors, wasn't it? Which led to, obviously, Stindl just sm- uh, smashing it home from the pullback. But, yeah, there was so much. What, what did you think of the, uh, obviously, the, the fullback? You just... The winger just ran around him, didn't he? As if he wasn't there. And it was just, this was so weak. It was so poor, you know. Then obviously, again, goalkeeping errors as well for the third goal. The keeper kind of saves it. Then I don't know what he does, really. Like he kind of falls over the line with the ball in his hand. And it's just another error, really, Rory. Yeah, won't won't touch on this or the next game for, for too long, obviously, because we've been talking a while anyway. But um yeah, perfect opposition for Gladbach to play to get a bit of confidence back into their much, much, much needed win. Um, but yeah, they're on the periphery of it. But can they get a run together now? I doubt it um, to be in the top six. We'll see. Um, but yeah, just just catalogue of errors every weekend. Unfortunately, Schalke. I think it's William who made the poor attempt of a clearance with the first goal, and yeah. then it falls to Stindl. The, the keeping error one, I think, yeah, it goes down as an own goal. I think, obviously, it's a really good header from Elvedi. I think it's Rune Owen goal, I think it is, isn't it? And the ball, kind of, I think it just bounced, because he was so high up, it bounces down his landing, perhaps, then bounces the ball yeah, over yeah. the line. So I do have sympathy for him on that one because there's been plenty of goalkeeping howlers we've seen. That, that obviously was an error, but it was a hard one for sure. Um, so, yeah, a bit of sympathy, but, uh, yeah, not much sympathy probably going around for Schal- from Schalke fans anyway. So, uh, yeah, glad back, decent win. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Put some back in with the with the shower of Europe, but they're going to have to improve against better opposition than Schalke. So let's just finish up with what we build as being the only mid-table game of the season. But actually, in reality, as Rory said before, Freiburg are on the periphery of the European places. And Augsburg, with the results, probably won't consider themselves 100% safe, although they are probably 85 
percent safe i would say on 29 points so yeah i mean this game was uh, it was quite an entertaining game actually there were a lot of chances either side obviously adam salai who for me has been really impressive recently probably been their best player in the last five six games freiburg opening the scoring what did you make of this one rory did you did you enjoy this game or yeah i didn't catch too much of it but i think as you mentioned it at first it probably felt like it was just a bit of a mid-table clash um but the way that the, you know obviously the results had gone freiburg probably would have been motivated quite highly by the leverkusen result and saw an opportunity to strike uh which they did very professionally um obviously uh Salai, as you mentioned you know was able to get onto the score sheet um you know, obviously getting themselves 1-0 up and there are certainly chances at both ends. Uh, Kadir, I think, had a decent decent chance um, uh, as well. Um, but some good saves knocking around. Obviously, the second goal looks like it's going to be chalked out from, from Leonhardt, uh, but they actually actually check it and then the, it ends up standing. So it's kind of like the opposite way around, um, really, and uh, of how VAR usually works. So, um, yeah, 2-0, and they kind of saw it out from there. So, yeah, good good win for Freiburg. They've been a bit up and down in the last month or two. But um, if they can get themselves on a bit of a run towards the end of the season, they're just, you know, they're just one win away from Leverkusen. And the way they're playing, there's certainly no given that they'll be picking up points that regularly. So, uh, you know, the race is well and truly on for sixth place. And obviously we talk about the race of the top four, but sixth place would be a big, big kind of stick you know, for uh, that carrot for, for teams to chase because it will mean a significant amount of mon more money being in the Europa League um, in general. So, yeah, we'll have to see how that develops. You know, Leverkusen, Union, Freiburg and even uh, Stuttgart and Gladbach. There's a lot of teams that in theory could do it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll watch it with interest. As you say, especially for teams like uh, Freiburg and uh, Union Berlin, who aren't the richest clubs. I mean, Europa League would be like winning the lottery for them, really. So, yeah, I think, but as you say, perhaps a team like a Leverkusen or a Gladbach, who both have poor seasons, let's be honest, really, they perhaps could do in missing out on Europe to kind of focus more on her. But, yeah, that won't be in their mentality at the minute because they have to try and achieve what they can, you know. Okay, so that pretty much brings to an end our review of uh, week 26. So let's just close the show uh, with looking at this. So, yeah, so we have at Over the Bar FB for our Twitter following. So remember, anything football related you can see on here. Also, uh, otbfootball.net, that's like the centerpiece of our channel. Remember to check out the League One show. Uh, I think Rory's done a few pieces on the Bundesliga as well, so remember to check them out. Check everything out that interests you and remember to comment and like and subscribe. So it's been a great week. And obviously next week we do have the break for the beloved internationals. I think everybody loves this weekend, don't they? But yeah, we come back in early April with a brilliant weekend of games. Look out for the prediction show, which will go out in the next uh, week or so. So yeah, see you then, guys. Cheers all.